three, two, one, and we're live with the Microbial Secret Society podcast. And today I'm here with a special guest, Stephen Cornett, and he's, I believe you're calling in from San Diego. Yep, that's right. Glad to be here, Drake. Good to be talking with you. Cool. And so um, as we get into things, um, just want to let people know, um, you know, I, I met you kind of through the internet. I had seen you around um, possibly on, on Facebook and um, YouTube. And then I reached out to you um, last year, this uh, 2019, this summer, and invited you to come to the uh, KNF conference, which we held in um, Southern California. And so that's, and then we, we rendezvoused there. And I just, I had a great time with you and just learning about um, you as a person and, and, you know, what you're doing um, just really inspired me. So, uh, so, you know, why don't, why don't you take a minute to uh, inter- introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, so my name's Stephen Cornett and I run a small scale regenerative urban farm here in San Diego. Um, and I also do a YouTube channel where I teach people all about how to grow their own food, whether it's, you know, just for your family or for profit and, kind of what ties it all together is that I do everything completely naturally. I don't use any type of pesticide or herbicide, um, whether that's safe for soap or neem oil, nothing like that. Um, And I make about 90% of the nutrients on site. And, you know, that's been a big journey for me starting from kind of the, you know, Elaine Ingham, Jeff Lohenfeld's perspective of soil health, which is really great. Um, And then uh, slowly coming to find KNF and, you know, biochar, Bokashi, like s- searching for more ways to, to add more microbes out into my uh, farm, um, how to create my own nutrients. And I just really, really align with the philosophy of KNF and, and Jadam. Uh, just the idea of taking back the power um, from companies and governments and putting it back into the hands of the farmers so that we're completely self-reliant. Um, I just, I really love that part of it. Um, so, you know, the concept behind my farm, nature's always right. Um, it's, it's the perspective that nature is already um, a perfect design. Humans can only mimic the design. Um, we can't really improve upon it. That's, that's my perspective. And, I, and I've seen no evidence thus far of that. You know, when we try to uh, genetically modify things, splicing DNA, removing DNA, like in CRISPR, Um, we're dealing with things that are so vastly complex um, that we'll never drill down. It's like this endless fractal that we'll keep drilling down and never find the end of it. Um, You know, in the 20th century, we just discovered DNA and germs and, and, you know, bacteria and fungi. We we finally (laughs) figured out that that, wow, this is, this is what connects all of life. Um, And even more recently, in the last 30 years, what we learned about soil science, the communication network between plants, um, the microbial communities, um, the breakdown of nutrients and the the marketplace that's going on under the soil. Um, You know, the more that we learn, it points back to, uh, for me, it points back to God's design and that, wow, if we just utilize what's already here, these systems that are already in place, um, we as humans with our intelligence, we can manage these systems in a way that accelerates ecological succession um, and just utilizing those same principles. So uh, that's kind of a little bit about me and kind of my philosophy behind growing and uh, the future of agriculture is, is these biological methods, in my opinion. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you. And, and, you know, your, your route that you found into, um, you know, exploring the, the microbes through Elaine and Jeff Lowenfels and, and all those, I think, I think is a, a pretty similar story. When, when did, like, at what age did you discover the microbial secret society? Your, oh, um, let's see here. Man, I probably would have been maybe six or seven years ago when I read the book um, by Masanobu Fukuoka, The One Straw Revolution. I had started farming previously about two years before that, and we had had the whole concept of doing it completely natural. But we didn't know anything about soil health. We were just thinking, let's grow plants with natural nutrients, so compost and worm castings and um, like that. But once I read Fukuoka's book, it really put together what I was seeing in nature, these patterns, these repeating patterns, um, looking at forests and, and just realizing like, hey, no one's fertilizing or watering these forests, yet their biomass is incredible. How is this happening? Um, and the, the concepts presented in, in Foucault's, Foucault's book, you know, the natural farming concepts of nature and its systems take care of itself. So how does the human how do we use agriculture, which is you know, a synthetic um, man-made thing? How do we get agriculture as close to nature as possible as we possibly can? Um, so that was kind of like my first introduction, I guess. And then from there, I, I went on a YouTube wormhole and found Elaine and Jeff and couldn't believe what I was hearing. Uh, <laughs> so, so actually, it was, it was one straw revolution, like the, the book by Larry Korn that's talking about Masanobu yes. Fukuoka correct yeah that's what put it together for me and how how did you find that book um a friend of mine while i was living i used to live in south korea actually um as a total coincidence that now i'm coming back to knf but uh yeah just a friend of mine gave it to me and, and said yeah you'd really really enjoy this book i think and um yeah it shifted my whole perspective on agriculture and you know we're, we got to look at things from a holistic viewpoint um you know you can take an antibiotic or some some medicine um, from western medicine and um it'll treat your symptoms but it'll never treat the root cause and for me that's what knf regenerative agriculture no-till it's addressing these root issues of soil health the soil health is there the plant health is there um, etc yeah, so starting with the soil, and that's, I mean, that is, I, I feel I feel like that is the missing link that KNF brings into a lot of things. Like, it's in, it's interesting that the consciousness was kind of started from uh, the One Straw Revolution book, which doesn't give much um, in the way of how to do it. No, not really. It's more of a ph- philosophical book about farming. Um, so yeah, I guess what led me eventually to techniques was, um, just learning more about, yeah, the thermophilic process of creating compost, compost teas. Like that's where I went first because, um, I don't know. I just, KNF seemed to, at first, KNF seemed very complex. Um, I didn't want to like spend all this time researching it. Not that many people were talking about it and I was already kind of down the scientific route of a lane and oh well we know 
how plants and microbes communicate now. This is the this is the truth. Like I don't like I'm, I already know a way to inoculate microbes and and all this. So KNF, I'm sure it's great, but I'm not going to look into it. So that's what I did for like I don't know a couple a couple years while I was doing these other biological methods. Um, and eventually, a friend of mine, uh, Forrest Green, he uh, he had been telling me online, like, dude, just look into it more, read into it. Um, eventually I did. And, and then I was like, now I finally understand IMO. And you know what? I even asked on the Korean natural farming group on Facebook and you, you responded too, and a bunch of people did. I said, what's the difference between aerated compost teas and compost and like an IMO, like are the microbes really that different? Um, and in my limited understanding, I just didn't, I didn't understand the concept of, of IMO and, and how powerful it was. Um, taking these advanced ecosystem microbes and then superpowering them um, by taking them through these adaptations, of, you know, a thousand generations. Yeah, it, I was I was just listening to a podcast um, by um, Ben Klenner called "The Probiotic Life," and he interviewed a, a German scientist, and she she was saying that part of she she was talking about em like effective mm -hmm. microorganisms but she was saying it's not just microbes that you take and you know these are good ones there's actually a, a team building exercise that you do in, mm -hmm. in the way like the the powerful em that she has is is created and i think i think that you know when you mentioned the com the complexity of knf i think that that may be part of it that it seems like there's a lot of steps to just like making something, but really it's a pretty precise team building activity. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and, and the more I, I learned KNF, you know, all, all the stuff I knew, like that I learned about no-till and soil health and ecosystems, ecological succession, all the things that are taught, like from the soil food web, the more Western perspective, it all applies to KNF. So there wasn't like a ton of extra theory that I really needed to know. It was just more, how do you make the inputs um, and to keep practicing them? How do I use them? What are the best times to use them? I think that's where the complexity really comes in is, um, but that's what, that's the beauty of doing these natural methods is that to use them effectively, you don't have to have like the complete understanding. Um, but the more that you do understand now you can um, treat these plants at the different stages of their growth cycle and um, come up with treatments, really effective ones um, by, ob by observing and testing out these different inputs. And I love like Yong Sung Cho's um, pesticides. Like I just love it. He's just like, yeah, like find a plant that they don't like, uh, make an FPJ and um, start testing out in different dilutions and see what works. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's so, so, so simple. It's, it is simple. So I, I, it initially seems so complex, but um, so that's something I've kind of been thinking about, like how do we get more people into KNF, but make it more simple? And I think that's something that you've done extremely well, where you just, you broke it down into like the nine essential inputs and, um, like like you've done in your workbook book and stuff, and so I, I've been thinking like, man, is KNF is it for is it ever gonna be for the home gardener, the person who goes and buys Miracle Grow, or a bag of soil at Home Depot comes back and plant? You know, it's probably not. But maybe we can get 
for my uh, field, market gardening and growing vegetables, that's a place where I see KNF to be utilized immensely and large-scale agriculture, of, of course, as well. And that's, that's something that I'm really interested in exploring um, as I move forward is continuing to develop my KNF practice and, and showing evidence. I want to do soil tests and sap, plant sap analysis on my new farm and, um, you know, do side-by-side -side bed analysis, things like this. And the more evidence that we have for KNF, the better. So, um, and people are coming around finally because there's just so much evidence now. And, and um, but I want to show real physical proof. And the more of us that do it, people like Elaine can't poo-poo it anymore. <laughs> I love <laughs> Elaine, but. <laughs> well, I, well, I think it's interesting what you were saying when you, when you started that, that basically all of the science and all of like the roadmap of like, soil food web and how all these things fit together that all all of that that you've learned like previously was applicable to knf like it, it didn't it didn't come in with any um you know contradiction to, no. to any of that philosophy and, and science right not at all not at all it all it all lines up absolutely so so what i what i was describing the other day is kind of you, you know there's a term called precision farming i haven't heard that term but but what what I think what it's largely right now defined as is they take like satellite images and mm. and then they use like drones to oh, detect sure. different mineral constituencies or or you know mm. different like their field mm -hmm. and then they have like like the machine like the tractor rolls over the field and it knows where it is from a GPS mm. database and then it squirts out the right amount of whatever on the right place. <laughs> whatever salts in the right place. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and that's, and that's what they, that, and that's what largely is, is today trying to be defined as, you know, precision farming where, where what I see what, you know, but, but redefining that to mean like almost, almost what KNF is doing where, where it's like you're, you're extracting out certain, um, you know, plant, plant hormones and plant essences intact without heating them from select you know plants and then you could load that same um tractor going across the field with a gps with all these different ferments exactly and it and it would squirt out like the right um you know the right ferment in in and, <laughs> and that like like you know if, if precision farming came down to like that that biological merge mm -hmm. it, the, it could That's, be like a cool. <laughs> exactly, man. I've, I've thought about that same thing. Why aren't we injecting IMO into our soils? Like all these corn and soybean farmers, we just swap out all of the stuff they're injecting for natural farming nutrients. And man, I'd, I'd love to see that happen. So that's why I want to, you know, that's my goal, man. I want to find somebody, convince them, hey man, like let's just, let me, ma I'll make all the nutrients and everything you need. Like let's do it on your 10 acres. We'll record everything and like, We'll we'll judge the difference between your conventional uh, row crops versus this. That's my dream is to be able to do something like that. But um, I totally agree. I mean, that's that's got to be the future. Um, if we want to replace chemical ag, we need something as an alternative um, to transition and all that. Yeah, and and the thing is, it's it's almost hot swappable in yeah. terms of I've I've thought of like. Uh, a KNF um, 
or, or, you know, any, any of these biological things like, but, but like where, you know how you have a, a printer today and you get like ink cartridges, it, it almost be like a inline to your hose that you could plug in box and it would have these cartridges. And just as you're watering your, your lawn or watering your garden, you could, you, you know, it, it would know kind of like in, mm-hmm. in inject in like <laughs> inject, like, you know, the right amount of fish amino acid for, yeah, your, right. you know, <laughs> for your lawn, little FAA for the lawn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, and it knows what season it is. And then, and then, I mean, and if they were linked to each other through a database, you could say, Oh, well, other people in your neighborhood did this. And like, and all of a sudden you're like completely growing all this biology that would just surge the earth with like this huge carbon store of all our lawns becoming like automated um (laughs) biology factories and then you connect it all with ai and uh, ai learning uh and crunch all this data and get an immense amount of knowledge from it (laughs) yeah yeah no and see now we're using these same things that that folks are afraid of but we're right we're using that but we're just you know precision farming like the tractors are squirting out biology instead Mm -hmm. of instead of poisons or or they're squirting you know our our yards are all linked together to to actually facilitate the largest carbon sink restoration in history (laughs) that's incredible man yeah i mean yeah i mean these are the idea these are the ideas these are the way forward for sure um, it's really fun and exciting to think about and it's exciting to be a part of it all because there's this gigantic revolution going on right now in this field. Well, I just, I just, um, saw some of your YouTubes and you were talking about that. So what, what, you, what are your observations? Well, I started getting into market gardening eight years ago and back then no one was interested in growing food or especially selling it. You know, a lot of people call this crazy for even trying to make a living doing it. Um, back then, even people were still talking crap about organic. I remember like, Oh, why would you buy organic? It's, it's not better. They, it's just a label so they can make more money and, um, things like that. But the public's perspective, I think has shifted radically. Um, whereas today market gardening has become popular. Um, there's a lot of people interested in homesteading and growing your own food and, um, just, we now know so much more about nutrition and then the whole probiotic world. Um, so like some of these things that are, that we're learning in farming now, or I see are coinciding with kind of the layman um, nutritional world and it's meeting in the middle. So like people kind of know about, we need, you need probiotics to have a healthy gut to digest your food. Um, and for me, it's not that much more of a leap to explain, well, the soil, you can kind of think about that as the stomach um, of the plant in a way not exactly right but it's the microbes um, in that soil stomach are breaking down the nutrients that's in being assimilated by a plant um, so you know i just see the interest has grown immensely so and i think we're getting closer and closer to like people having that whole system perspective where they realize that it's all connected like the soil microbes in the soil are, are very similar to the ones in, in our gut and on our skin. And, you know, the whole idea that we're 90% microbes and fungi, that whole concept. Um, I, I think we're getting closer and closer to like a, not a critical mass, but where people realize that um, food is medicine, microbes are medicine. Um, and that's where we should be looking for health, not the doctor or a pill and, and what have you. 
So, so I mean, so that that's that's the revolution you're seeing is like a, almost like a a living food, living soil yeah, consciousness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, yeah, I see that constantly now. And, and then, then the idea, the whole thing of living soil—that's a thing now. People talk about living soil all the time. No-till is a big deal. Like, um, you know, it's it's starting to get more out into the mainstream. Like, at least in the gardening world, people know what no-dig and no-till are. And before it was just as the standard thing you tilled. So like the whole idea of soil health is definitely getting out into the, the consciousness for sure. I mean, I, I think that, I think that's the idea since time immemorial is, is this idea of, um, you know, how, how do you go garden? Well, you, you dig a hole and then you, you water it. Right. Yeah. But, but I mean, your process is much different than that, right? Oh, definitely. I'm a soil farmer. I just think, I think about what do I need to give the soil um, so that they can do whatever they need to do to create the chemicals and, and different acids to break down the minerals, um, the communication networks to, to communicate with the plants. Um, and then on top of the soil, having the most uh, diversity above the soil as well, so that you're creating homes for the different pests and prey, insects, um, birds, the larger insects or lo- larger animals as well. And you're trying to achieve balance. Um, all of nature is, is trying to go towards um, order. It's spontaneously ordering itself. Um, that's like what the free market is. Um, and um, so to me, like a great analogy is like um, on, a, on a field that you're growing crops, if you're dropping a bunch of herbicides and pesticides and, and all of that, you're setting back the natural system um, to balance itself. So, you know, why were those weeds coming in in the first place? Well, you probably had uncovered soil, probably bacterial dominated, um, and that's why you're getting a lot of weeds and you had a bunch of seed bank there. Um, and I'd relate it to um, thinking about human health too. Um, if you draw, if you take a uh, antibiotic, it's like dropping a bomb on all your microbes in your body, and now it set your immune system back and has to rebuild all that. Well, if we do the same thing in the field. We drop a bomb of herbicide or pesticide or um, synthetic nutrients. Now we're killing biology. We're setting things back. Um, it's gonna. Um, cause more pests and disease issues because the immune system has been lowered just as in the human body if i'm eating in and out every single uh, fast food every single day i'm not getting the micronutrients i need i'm not getting the microbes i need my immune system goes down and now i'm attacked and anybody who has grown plants before knows that the weakest plants get attacked first by pests and disease Um, so that's the beauty of nature is that these patterns exist everywhere and if you can understand the pattern, you can apply it to other creations in nature. So, it, yeah, design, design patterns. I, I love that type of thinking because then you're uh, observing almost like these, these archetypes and you're able yeah. to see these things which may be invisible mm-hmm. because you're recognizing these, these larger patterns. So, one, yeah, what that pattern being the weakest plant gets attacked first. Do you... Do you have any other like big archetypal patterns that you've noticed? Hmm. Let me think. Um, 
Sure. I mean, just the, the cell, the cell itself, I think kind of points to a lot of things. Um, let me zoom out, I guess. So like we talk about a, a galaxy, right? Usually in the center of the galaxy is a star and then there's planets and whatever rotating around that. Um, if you look at the, um, an atom, I might mess up my terms, right? But there's protons and electrons circling, rotating around a center of mass. It's the same pattern. Um, the cell has a nucleus. Things aren't, I don't know if they're rotating around it, but it's kind of a similar pattern. Uh, I mean, the most archetypal pattern, I think, in nature is probably the, um, uh, like if you zoom out on a river delta, kind of like the the root pattern that it makes or it looks like lightning when it comes down from the sky same pattern um, there's pictures out in the universe that look very similar our brain the dendrites of our brain like those connections that are formed it looks just like roots um, so, so, it's, so it's, evi it's evidence to me of nature's like perfect design basically that's how i interpret that and and that 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 pattern i think is like a uh they call like fractal banding or, yeah, or fractal. Um, and and um it's kind of like a fibonacci se series yes. or sequence which yeah. is like very prevalent in nature exactly mm -hmm. the further so, we go away from that the more consequences we have too i think interesting so so do you do you incorporate that further into your design of other things Hmm. I, I think I should be doing it more. Um, but, you know, I think that's kind of the concept of um, like, you know, building swales or key lining. Uh, it's, it's kind of going off that same, I, those same concepts, replicating that pattern, that river pattern. Um, or I don't know, just looking at the plants themselves. Oh, this is something I, I've tripped out on before. When you look at a, a tomato plant or, or any plant, if you follow the stem from the base, like where the soil starts and you go up to that first leaf, well, if you go um, clockwise around the plant, the next highest stem um, will be spaced like perfectly, like equidistant from the next one. Um, and it's like, it's like a DNA spiral. I could show you if I could show you the plant. But it's like um, it's like a it's a double helix spiral, and that's the same pattern that the plant is doing, so that it can get optimum light and air movement um, across the plant. Uh, so that's like another example. And and that's that's probably more beautifully um, ex expressed that that pattern that you're witnessing when there's like optimal soil health and soil mm. like plant growing conditions, right? Totally. Absolutely. Like it, I can fully express itself. But but if there is something maybe out of balance with the field below, then then that would be different. And then, a, as an observer, you can kind of notice that how it, how how it's maybe maybe um, not expressing that as much to know there's some sort of illness. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting how we kind of um, natively just know if a plant is sick or not just by looking at it. You don't. No one really has to tell you that there's something wrong with it. We just kind of know a healthy plant is green and you know sticking straight up and various looking so so i'm teaching a class this week to some folks from alaska and they're here for a, a gut microbiome class that a a doctor is organizing at my farm and 
and I just do a, um, I've done four hour, like one hour natural farming classes. Mm-hmm. And the way, the way I presented natural farming to them was along the lines of, you know, is you, can you tell if your plant is hungry? Mm-hmm. And they say, yeah. I'm like, can you tell if your plant is sick? And they say, yeah. Can you tell if your plant has, you know, needs cleaning, like there's sooty mold or powdery mildew growing? And they all said, yeah. And so what, I, what I've been doing is naming the natural farming inputs mm. so that you can say, okay, well, we have food, we have medicine, and we have cleanser. So if you can recognize your plant's hungry, we got a solution. If you can recognize it's sick, we got a solution. If you can recognize it's, you know, needs cleaning, we have a solution. Versus trying to go this way of saying, oh, is it deficient in calcium? Or is it deficient in phosphorus? And think of, like, it's great to know that knowledge and to, like, go to that depth of it. But, But for me to know, I have to know all this, like, I have to get a PhD or, like, a master's degree or at least, you know, like, study in a university versus can can you tell your plants are hungry mm-hmm. right yeah yeah that's a beautiful way to put it and um and it really just goes back to the whole this whole concept of it's an endless fractal we will never understand everything that a plant needs and i think we only know like mm. 50, 50 in our food we only know like 50 percent of the nutrients we know there's a lot more stuff in our food that we're getting um, but we don't know. Like, I think vitamin K was discovered in the early 90s. So, like, we like to think we know everything about nutrition, uh, plant nutrition. Uh, but, you know, we haven't are you, really discovered that much. Are you, talk, are you talking about, like, like, a healthy plant can put out, like, different various compounds that, that we just, we don't even have a name for, but they're good for yes. us? <laughs> yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll never know every single one of them because it's an infinitely complex fractal. But, um, and that's why like getting reductionists and saying, oh, it needs calcium. It needs this. It needs that. Well, it, you might be right. It may need calcium, um, but maybe it needs something else. It needs magnesium to help it transport or whatever uh, may be going on. It, it's so infinitely complex that we just need to zoom out and, and understand the larger pattern um, or the concept that the microbes are responsible for the breakdown and transportation of these nutrients. So why are we focusing on the specific nutrient when we have like an automatic, automatic beings that are going to just do this for us? Um, you know, it's the idea of like, why would we use, why use tractors to till when I can use worms? Um, yeah. I I 100% agree with that. Like the the observations and those those ways of of looking at it are just are just intuitive within humans and it is it, it yeah. Is. Mm-hmm. And we just uh, you know unfortunately we kind of got off on our you know when science happened and we started creating chemicals and and pills and all these ma- you know almost magical this magical alchemy that we we've done it, it went to our head a little bit I think and, and uh, you know. And we started worshiping the technology and thinking that, wow, we're, we're better than God and we can design something better and make a better system. And in the short term, yeah, like we, we've had good results with conventional farming. Like we've grown more food than we ever thought was possible for humanity. But 
massive consequences and it's not sustainable in the long term. Well, do you, do you feel there's a place for these synthetics anywhere in farming? Yeah. Yeah. I do think that there is a place, um, especially now, or like I've heard the example given of, let's say you had a hurricane um, and it just wiped out all the fertility in your soil and you needed to instantly start growing. Um, and you don't have any soil structure. You have no way to get compost or things like that, you know, and you instantly need to get food system going. Well, maybe there's an argument for jumpstarting it with synthetics. Um, or there's, you can't go outside or something because a, a volcano exploded. Well, maybe doing hydroponic indoors with synthetics makes sense now. But in general, um, I, we, we got to get away from it, uh, obviously. I mean, if it's damaging the soil health, we're, we're hurting our, our, these automatic biological machines that are set up to help us create fertility. And then we're destroying the fertility, putting in what we think should be there. And it's just totally backwards. It doesn't make sense to me, uh, which is the solution to me is, is yeah, we're going to need to farm thousands of acres and do what we're doing with monocultures. And that's going to have to continue on, at, you know, for a, a good amount of time. Um, maybe forever. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, if we want to switch to smaller farming and more regenerative um, human-based techniques, then we need millions of more farmers in North America. 10 million. If we want to switch to a small farming system, is that realistically going to happen? I currently don't see enough interest to believe that. Um, that's obviously what I hope for. That's what I. That's why I'm teaching about farming and all this stuff because I. I want more people to get into this and do this. Um, but yeah, this is just kind of like my realistic perspective on, you know, can we change the whole farming system over to what we know would be best? Um, I, that's my hope. That's my goal. That's my mission. But um, it's going to, there's going to be a time of transition. And ultimately we need to show the farmers that this works and that they're not going to lose money, that they're going to actually make more money in the long term by doing these methods and they're going to produce healthier food for plant for the humans and the animals um so i guess i see it as a transition um hopefully in the next 10 years we'll start seeing these larger tractor farms implementing more biological techniques and you know guys like uh gabe brown he's in the soil food web crew and he's a farmer who's um he's done 5,000 acres with staple crops, um, storage crops, uh, and then rotating cattle through there. Um, and he uses cover crops and like a, this crimping technique. So he does it all with tractors. Um, he does all his uh, planting seeds with a seed drill. So they'll grow these cover crops, they'll crimp them over, uh, and then they uh, use a seed drill with a tractor to drill through the cover crop and then the next stable crop grows uh, up underneath that kind of natural mulch obviously all the biomass feeds the soil um, and then they also have the option of running cattle through that cover crop as well before that if they want or in, in different scenarios um, so there is a lot of really cool large-scale stuff going on that guy's not really injecting biology from what i know um, but he's just using animals as that biological driver and you know i think a lot of us are looking for like what's that single solution is it knf is it no-till is it whatever but i think that we're all trying to accomplish the same thing just in different 
little bit different ways. Um, and what I hope as we move forward, we're gonna come up with like the best solutions for different contexts because the microclimate matters, the overall ecosystem, you know, what are the native plants and animals you have in that area? What, you know, what is your soil type like? Your, your, what zone are you in? All these things affect what tactic is gonna be the best for growing food in that area. So some KNF solutions might be perfect for one area, but in another area, well, maybe using animals is better or just the composting system is better. So um, I guess that's how I'm, I'm kind of thinking about it now. What I think what I can sense is the common denominator of what you're talking about is like, a, you know, is biologically friendly. It's it's consciousness of the microbiome of of how, um, you know, being in alignment, this this nature can even boost what what we're doing already to make us more productive. Absolutely. I think it's the coolest thing in the world. Like I love the idea of ecological succession that it goes from from dirt to just small weeds to bigger and bigger plants all the way up to the end stage redwood forest or amazon rainforest i love that concept that every all of nature is trying to proceed towards this end stage of creation and honestly i believe that this whole planet it's supposed to be one green ball with a bunch of blue ocean around it and i think that's what it could be um but like all the deserts that are in the world like from what I understand is we've, we've created them through overgrazing or over uh, farming or we rerouted rivers. We did, we manipulated the natural system that was trying to balance itself and move towards the end stage succession, but we interrupted the succession. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, I believe that is possible um, if we were to align with the design and support it and it's cool because we can we can advance ecological succession it doesn't need to take 500 years to get to the end stage we can do it much more quickly and we keep coming up with more techniques to advance the microbes more quickly um, so it's just it's fascinating how we can partner with nature and we can like make it i don't want to use the word better but we're making it more efficient. Like we're managing it in a way that nature wouldn't manage it itself. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. <laughs> well, I, I agree. I agree with what you're saying that, that by our conscious attention to it, we actually get a synergistic, like mm -hmm. more, more energy out for less effort in. Mm -hmm. in it's a thin most, line. Well, well, most most other man systems tend tend to be like um, very destructive. Yeah, yeah, very like explosive energy versus growth, and like like I, you know, man gets energy by burning trees, not by growing trees, right? Mm -hmm. But right. but but actually, the earth energy and the growing trees can actually provide more energy mm -hmm. in a way that, um, yeah, I mean that that it's, that economic value has to be realized as well yeah exactly it's it's a it's short term versus long term thinking you know it's like if you put a million dollars in a a standard you know whatever savings account or something at five percent well you know that money is gonna it's gonna be worth a lot of money in the end and that's kind of what we're doing with these biological techniques i mean you're not making the quick money um but 
once your soil's developed, man, that is worth a lot of money now. I mean, the amount of value that you can get out of a piece of land that has good soil is incredible. Um, so yeah, the more, and then that's just talking about the food and think about all the other impacts it has on human health and animals and land and the ocean and the whole ecosystem. Um, it just spirals out and, and, and just how we're, how we're treating the environment and food. It just all, it's the linchpin of everything, man. Like everything's connected to food. You know, a lot of, a lot of people can't even think correctly because they're living off of dead food. Um, and just total junk, sugar, chemicals. Um, and literally their brain doesn't even work, work right. And so how are we ever going to, how is society ever going to really progress to a better point if people are making themselves sick constantly to the point where they can't even have critical thinking skills? Um, so that's why getting people back to land and eating food, healthy food and getting the microbes on their body again and and we, we know microbes affect the mind too. Um, you know, there's studies done on soil, like people who do gardening has, have less depression because there's microbes that uh, apparently have some influence on our brain. Um, so it, it ties into changing culture and society for me too. It's food and ultimately soil is like the, this linchpin holding it all together um, to wake people up, you know. If you find out about the food system and how corrupt and messed up that is, then you're probably going to be open to finding out more things about the corruption of government and on a lot of the other kind of big societal issues going on in the world right now. Well, do you, do you think that perhaps that's a, a reason that people aren't able to address this in a serious manner is, is like the red pill is too big to swallow? <laughs> It, it for sure is for a lot of people. I mean, you know, truth is truth is a hard pill to swallow. Most people don't want to hear the truth. They want to live in a bubble. They want to think everything's perfect and safe and fine. And they want that to be promised to them. Uh, but, you know, as we know, that's not real life. And um, so, yeah, it's interesting. We'll see what happens with uh, society. We're going to keep pushing hard for the good stuff, though, right? <laughs> Well, yeah. And, and I mean, do you, do you know what in yourself, cause I, I feel like I'm, I'm a slightly different person, you know, cause I've, I was able to eat the red pills at certain points in my life. And do you know in your life kind of what, what sets you apart? You know, do you, do you think it's, I, I mean, part, part of me is I think, I think it's our, our contact with these microbes, like you say, they're producing maybe neuro neurotransmitters and these things and maybe, you know, do you have any insight on, on, um, you know, how the microbial secret society may, may interact, uh, with, with why, why you're kind of an outlier from our, mm. our other society, so to yeah. say? Um, I don't know. I'm just attracted to what's true and like, like what the real solution is. I don't want to be you know, given some baby food and tell me, yeah, this is, this is uh, the right way to do things. Just eat this. And no, I want to understand it all. And I want to, um, you know, do my part to, to influence the world in a good way. And to me, I've just through all my reading and experience and, and, and life and stuff, it's really like the, the microbes are the basis for everything, whether it be human health, soil health, whether it be medicine, like anything we need on the planet, ultimately like the basic, you know, building blocks start 
at the microbial level, maybe even deeper. Maybe there's something deeper than um, another world beyond even the microbial world that we don't know exists. Like there's, there's microbes inside of the gut of the microbes. You know what I mean? Um, sorry, I kind of got off track there. Well, like, like, a, like a microbial fractal kind of thing yes. all the way down. I think that's what's actually going on. I can't prove it, but <laughs> we, we, you know, we thought the atom was the smallest molecule and then now we, there's quarks and all these other things. So I assume it continues on. Well, I think, I think what you, what, what you end up coming to is you come to these archetypal patterns as, as you head in and, and what those are is like some, some of them are like irrational numbers. Like if you take, you know, phi, uh, which is, which is that series you were talking earlier, how the plant grows, um, you know, and you can't, you can't model that, but, but that some of these patterns are, are what like integrity is. And, and when you say, you know, like when you say nature is always right, Mm -hmm. it's like understanding, like there is some sort of obviously irregular integrity within nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's, I mean, I believe in God, man. So it's, it's like the creator's hand. Like that's what we're seeing. That's like that irreconcilable thing that we can't, like, how did it all get here? You know, why does it appear as if it's a design? Like there has to be a designer. I don't know. That's that's how I think about it. Well, so, so, so that, that pattern is maybe some, um, like, like I've heard some people say it's like, you know, like the fingerprint of God. Yeah. I, 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 to me, it, it, it shows evidence of that, like the Fibonacci spiral, you know, that's in our fingerprint, what makes every human a unique person, that same logarithmic patterns there too. And then it's in all of nature. It's in my brain. It's in the universe. It's in soil. Like uh, whether you go macro or micro, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's it's um... a fun. It's a very fun thing to think about. <laughs> Well, so, so, um, in, in the biblical teachings and so, and such forth, I've, I've had this concept that, you know, a lot of, a lot of the religious concepts where we talk about God, um, and, and like, and even some of the miracles that have been performed Mm -hmm. are lead to be like, like leading to the microbes and the microbiota around us. Have you ever, have you ever found those parallels in your, in your search and quest? Yeah. Yeah, um, Definitely. I mean, yeah, we're talking about the Bible. I mean, it talks about like the Bible mentions, it doesn't say microbes, but it talks about washing your hands after getting blood on you because you're unclean. Um, Like it's talking about concepts about microbiology before we ever had any idea about it or if we're going to talk about the Bible, you know, the, the God made us from uh, or made Adam from the dirt or from clay. And I've thought about that, like, whoa, that's pretty interesting. Like, I wonder if it's kind of like a dirt is the wrong word, right? Because that's implying there's no biology, but obviously there was biology. Um, I just think it's interesting now that we know that there were 90% microbes and fungi. It's like, whoa, he, we are literally, and we're carbon organisms. So like we are literally <laughs> dirt interesting that's an interesting thing to think about so in hawaiian culture yeah the the word for god mm-hmm. is akua 
And when my friends and I were looking up in the dictionary, what's the word for fungus? Because we want to know, mm-hmm. right? Because we're like, oh, what do we call it? And, you know, what did the ancient folks that yeah. lived here call it? Yeah. Same name. Whoa. Interesting. Very interesting. So, so whether they were actually saying it, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't think they were saying it was God itself, mm-hmm. but that somehow, um, you know, if you, if you look at uh, people, we have a real hard time being devotional and we, we, you know, like good and evil is like a constant thing. Like, which should we choose? But if you look at like most microbes or most animals, they're pretty darn devotional. Hmm. What do you mean by devotional? Like they, like they, you know, like they embody like these, these like godlike ideals of like working together in community, you know, hmm. uh, sharing in the soil, um, you know, one one animal's not going to really decimate too many of the others. You know, they're going to kind of find this like balance. They're not going to yeah. go like total war and save up, you know, and, and grow extra dogs and then seize on the on the sheep. You know, <laughs> they're just going to eat sheep as they need them. You know, like yeah. like they're pretty darn devotional. <laughs> pretty much. I don't know. I've heard wolf. Well, maybe it's because things are out of balance. I've heard wolves will just kill though. Like farmers will have a hundred sheep killed, but. They didn't need, they weren't going to eat the hundred sheep. They just enjoy killing them. Well, but I don't think they're having meetings and then bringing in the reserve, well, the reserve yeah. <laughs> wolves after the first wolves attack, you know, like bring in the hellfire missiles. And- right. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, yeah. Like things, oh, you know, sure. We have our nature, that's right? True. That's true. That's true. But then there's this also like this thing where like most, most religion, most, most like nature is like, you know, just chill, use as you need, you know, don't kill more than, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um and but then but our our humanity is like we you know we're not that devotional (laughs) yeah i mean to me that's kind of the big difference between humans and animals is like we have the ability to to be moral beings and choose between doing something evil and something good and that's and where they're more operating on a programming almost like a biological program and they're not making like these conscious like Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna help this person so that later on they'll pay me back and then you know my chickens don't think like that, I don't think. <laughs> no, but but even that thinking, like like yeah. like the representations in the in the Bible, for instance, don't say, Oh yeah, do this stuff so they'll pay you back. Yeah, yeah. Like true. nowhere it says like just do it, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because it's the law. Do it because it's yeah. Cause well, it cause yeah. it's love and it and it resonates on this vibration of like you know, I mean, getting paid back is also nice, and there's an energy exchange. Totally, like I'm mm-hmm. totally on that that mm-hmm. um, that level. But uh, yeah, that, that, that's what I mean by by devotional. Like mm-hmm. you know, meeting, plotting, scheming, trying to. Right. I get you. How humans are good at that, huh? Especially uh, if you're <laughs> if you're paying attention to tol- politics right now. Oh my goodness. Well, what do you? Uh, so, do you know about the Federal Reserve System? Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about what you know? <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, it's the fractional reserve banking system. It's a fiat. Like the United States dollar is considered a fiat currency. It's n- not real. It's not. It's just a uh, paper printed out of thin air. It's not backed by gold or any other resource or anything. They can, you know, they just printed another hundred billion recently. I think. Um, there it's just another way to deflate it's deflate the currency it's another way to tax people the government like just prints more money they spend it on whatever they want 
And then we, the holders of the dollars, um, pay the cost of that through inflation. Uh, it's, um, it's, it is the strangle, stranglehold on humanity is central banking. Have you, have you ever thought of it? Cause I, I know about this, but I thought, you know, the federal reserve and we mm-hmm. call it the fed. Mm-hmm. Do you know, it came in in 1912. Yes. It's a do private you know, bank. Do you know that was the same year they also started the extension service in the United States? Like ag extension? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Do you know there's a vast conspiracy that ties like them stealing the land from farmers mm. and the Federal Reserve and the extension agents that push this wow. chemical land destroying, <laughs> um, uh, you know, war chemicals? Yes. Well, I, I'm not familiar with all of what you said, but definitely the part about you know, that's how we came up with synthetic fertilizer and, and pulling nitrogen out of the air. It would all is about warfare and making bombs, ammonium nitrate, right? So, um, yeah, it's gnarly. Well, I'm, I'm just going to pretext that stuff and yeah. say that was pretty judgmental the way I put it out there to say, but, <laughs> but, but really without, without saying like the extension pushed this stuff on us, just the correlation between the, the, the federal reserve hmm. and then they call themselves the fed. Mm-hmm. And that basically now they, you know, largely, I just saw a, a, a video on YouTube the other day, this, these hungry African kids that were making a video and they were like, we're hungry. We don't have, give us some money, mister, so we can get food. And this, this meme of to eat mm-hmm. and to be fed that you need the fed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's their whole thing, man. The state is trying to become daddy. It's trying to become God. It's, it's replacing all these things that um, were fulfilled by other things in society. Now, you know, that's what it's all about. I mean, if we want to go conspiracy, man, I, I think that there's a whole move to try and control the food system in general. If you look at like the UN global agenda 30, 2030 now, or um, the whole thing about GMO seed and trying to control genetics of things and making seed that you can't um, produce more seed from the same plant. And I mean, if you think about it, what's the ultimate way to control people? If you control the food system, what, what political uprising, it doesn't even matter if you have guns or not, how are they going to, you're not, nothing will be stopped. You can't stop the, the government. So, um, you know, controlling the food system is a really big deal. And uh, I know well, I'm of that mind to think there's something more nefarious going on. Obviously, are you aware of the bear takeover yeah, of? Yeah. So Monsanto. so check this out. I I have just like a little fuel to throw in that fire mm-hmm. of that Bayer is a German company, right? N- like ninety nine percent of American soybean is mon- you know their Monsanto soyed, soy soy. Now Germany owns all of America's soy production and corn production and any of their patented stuff. And the weird part is now America is suing these companies and winning. So they're like suing this German company, yet this mm-hmm. Germany, German company ha- can just say, oh, well, we're not going to grant you the patent this year to plant your America. Sorry. <laughs> Well, we'll just plant it anyway. How about that? <laughs> well, then, but wow. yeah, but, but think, of, I mean, like, think of that storm that we just sold. Like, it's like, yeah, That's if you crazy. sell a company, you sell a company, but you just mm-hmm. sold the rights to all Americans' 
patentable legal way to sow this crops, even though, even though, whether I agree with GMO or disagree with GMO, this is like raw fact of like, we just lost the right to hmm. sow America. Wow. That's nuts. I didn't realize that was involved in it. Wow. Well, it, I mean, I'm just thinking like, that's, that's like kind of, I, I, I don't, I haven't heard anyone else say this. Hmm. So I just thought, you know, like, how about that? Right. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, that's, that's the whole idea of creating um, intellectual property around nature is insane to me. Um, it's not good. <laughs> you want to control nature or just like the whole idea how cannabis is illegal and controlled. How can you control a plant? It's, it's absurd. Um, it's never killed anybody yet. You can grow, um, I forgot the name of the plant, but it has uh, arsenic in it. You could make a poison out of it and feed it to people and kill, kill people. Um, you can't do that with marijuana. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, so like this idea of a government trying to control bio- biology is, is very scary and something that we should re- be resisting at all costs. Well, you know, there's, I mean, I want to go into the mind control aspect of that where the song was legalize it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Legalize it. And I I always tell people like, no, we don't want to legalize it. Now they have control and now a monopoly structure will be put in place and (laughs) we lost everything. Now the price goes through the roof and we're back to a black market again. I mean, it's just, it's really dumb. Right. I mean, I don't want to legalize corn or taro yeah. or cassava yeah. or anything. The bananas. Right. I don't want to legalize bananas. I want to decriminalize bananas so that right. anyone can plant them anywhere and nobody can say, hey, you're making a crime. <laughs> you know, do you have a permit for those bananas? Yeah. That's the government's uh, greatest achievement. They steal your rights and they sell it back to you. Yeah. And especially <laughs> for things you want, man. Yeah. Or things that actually help people. <laughs> yeah. 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 So so I was I was looking um a little bit at your Facebook. How how much um of this type of thing do you talk about with, with your audience and like, you know, in terms of like you're wanting to teach farming and raise this consciousness? Where where what are you what do you usually get into? So, so far on my YouTube channel, it's really been about the story of me building my farm from scratch, all the, like this, the techniques of raising plants and um, really focusing on like the biology aspect, trying to get the whole point across of why we don't till, how biology is feeding the plants. Um, I'm really focusing on like kind of those sort of concepts right now. I have weaved in a little bit of this political and philosophical stuff in there. And I, and I want to do more of that for sure in the future. I've just been, I've just been really focused on like, I just want to get people growing, get people to, to understand the, the amazing concept of soil health and, and how plants actually um, accumulate nutrients. Um, but I think this is a pretty important concept to talk about more and more. Um, how, where the interaction between politics and uh, farming and food, because it's, it's pretty involved. Like, farming and politics really go hand in hand. I, I really didn't realize that. And, or like, I just thought right now about um, like in the Vietnam war, the Viet Cong would, um, I might be getting this wrong, but they would, I think they would farm at night and then like they'd fight or they'd I forgot how it went, but 
they were fighting, they were fighting and farming at the same time because they had to feed themselves. And that was one of the big reasons, I guess, why they dropped all that agent, agent orange to open up the jungles and also to destroy their food systems so they couldn't feed themselves. Um, yeah. Well, that's it for our free episode. So join us at www.microbialsecret.org for the full episode and join the Microbial Secret Society. So uh, may the beneficial microbes be with you. Aloha.